Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. I sure do appreciate all your faithfulness. God bless you guys uh, for digging into the Word, going a little bit further than the average bear. So uh, God bless you, and uh, may uh, we all have eyes to see and ears to hear. Amen. So uh, today's teaching uh, is really the Shema Part 2. That's the big message out of the Torah study today. You might recall that last week uh, we introduced uh, the two greatest prayers uh, in all the Bible. Uh, out of Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema, as Brother Lionel shared earlier, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And that prayer is the central prayer in all of Judaism. And then we talked about the greatest prayer uh, in Christianity is the Lord's Prayer. And we went through a teaching on the Lord's Prayer. But for our Torah study today, we want to uh, revisit a little bit uh, of what the Shema is all about. And uh, uh, it, it really is the Old Testament Jewish version of the Declaration of Faith. You and I, uh, when we came to the Lord, we declared our Pledge of Allegiance to the Lamb, didn't we? And uh, that's what the Shema is all about. Uh, it's the Jewish Pledge of Allegiance, as it were. And since we're Judeo-Christians, we can embrace that prayer and all the revelation uh, that uh, encompasses it. And especially that we serve one true God, don't we? How many of you here today believe that with all your heart and all your soul? There is just but one God, the God of all heaven and earth, and His name is Jehovah. Amen, Amen, Yahweh. So, uh, what we learned and uh, what many Christians have never understood is Jesus Himself actually praised the Shema and it's written in our Bible. In Mark chapter 12, verse 29, when he's in this discussion about who's, uh, 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 what is the greatest of all the commandments, and uh, Jesus said the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And then he extends it and includes the rest of the Shema, Uh, out of Deuteronomy 6, and he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Amen. Amen. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor, what? As yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So uh, there's a lot to unpack here, but perhaps the biggest thing is that the Lord Jesus is authenticating and validating the importance of the Shema. 
Amen? Can you see that? And it shows us uh, that Jews in both the Old Testament and the New Testament who prayed this prayer were trusting in the Lord. When you pray this, you're, you're pledging, your, you're trusting in the Lord. You're believing that there is but one true God. And that you are dedicating your life, your life's purpose, to serving Him. And so, this is Israel's confession of faith. Now, our confession of faith in Christianity has evolved. And Romans 10, 9, and 10 is one of the key scriptures. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that the Lord uh, 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 God raised Jesus from the dead, then you receive the sinner's prayer. You receive salvation. But one could make the case that the Shema out of Deuteronomy 6 that Jesus recites in Mark chapter 12 is a version of the sinner's prayer. Yeah? Because after all, what is the sinner's prayer? When people come to the altar, what are they doing? They're dedicating their lives to the one true God. Amen. And so uh, those that pray the Shema are acknowledging who God is. Yeah. And in addition to that, they're making this total commitment. I'm going to serve you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. That's a commitment. Amen. Amen. And that commitment goes on to, I'm going to love you, Lord. I love you with all my heart. I don't understand how all things work together, how this whole thing just adds up. But one thing I know, I'm all in. Amen. Amen. Anybody here today, all in. You trust the Lord. That's what's coming out of the Shema. Uh, And... In addition, you're relying, some of the the background, you're relying on the Lord to strengthen you to live this out every single day, aren't you? And then as a result, and Jesus adds this uh, as he gives his version, that you'll love your neighbor as yourself. So it starts with, "I'm Lord, I'm all in with you. And let your love fill my life. Let your faith grow in me. That trust in you grow in me. And may all of that then transition into being a blessing and loving others. Amen. Amen. And so, praise God for that. Now, uh, today in part two of the Shema, this, uh, there, there's actually there's three scriptures. There's Deuteronomy 6, there's Deuteronomy 11, uh, which we're in today, 13 through 21, and then there's also Numbers 15, 37 to 43. And all of those scriptures are what's written on the parchment scrolls that go into your mezuzah or are in the tefillin, the phylacteries uh, that uh, Orthodox uh, Jewish men uh, put on their arms and around their heads. Amen. And so it, uh, it, it says uh, in Deuteronomy 11, 
and I want to point out a fundamental difference from what came out in Deuteronomy 6. It says in uh, verse 13, Deuteronomy eleven thirteen, it shall be if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and soul, then all these positive things will happen. And it's not apparent in most translations, but uh, when you study this uh, as an academic, you learn that God is speaking to Israel in Deuteronomy 11 in the plural. Back in Deuteronomy 6, He's speaking in the singular to the individual. And there's an individual component of salvation, an individual component to the covenant that each and every one can pursue at whatever level they desire. Some people are on fire, some people are lukewarm. It's all up to you. If it's to be, it's up to me. Amen. And so, thank God you're here. You're watching uh, uh, via Zoom. You're on fire for God. Amen. You're going for God's best, aren't you? Amen. And that's a good thing. Uh, And it's an individual choice. But there's a corporate side of serving God. And in Christianity, we miss out on this a little bit. We realize we're part of the body of Christ, that each member has its role and obligations and emphasis and assignment, but we're not really trained to see ourselves uh, with the bigger picture that we're part of the big team. And each of us on the team's got a job to do. And this guy's job and this gal's job is just as important as theirs. And so God gives the Shema part two in plural to emphasize uh, that yes, there's the individual believer, but there's also a national salvation, a national loyalty, a national faithfulness that we need to see the multitudes expressing. And uh, that is so, so very important, uh, especially if you want to live out your life in peace and joy and happiness, pursuing the blessing of God, the study of, of the Bible, and all the different things that uh, we like to do with our freedom. Ancient wisdom teaches on this. It says, if we serve the Lord in unity as a nation, as a people, God will miraculously intervene by bringing prosperity to all beyond the limits of nature. America's been the beneficiary of that. Yeah? We're not the original one nation under God. There was the original, and that's Israel. God brought Israel out of Egypt to be the original prototype of one nation under God. Took a a long time for mankind to adopt that mentality. And in fact, most nations, in fact, all nations in one way or another have not ever adopted one nation under God thinking. Only America. 
Only Israel and America have truly embraced that concept of one nation under God. Yeah? And so... What God is saying here as you study Shema part one, part two, is yes, there's a personal component to salvation, but never forget there's a national, a corporate component that uh, we need to be uh, one person, one family under God, but also one nation under God. So what we... Uh, stand for, what we promote, who we vote for, who we put into positions of leadership to reflect our views. They need to be Christian people that respect the Bible, that love the Lord, and want to see biblical principles and guidelines and values as the center or the essence of who we are as a nation. I believe that one of the strategies where we see this influx of people from around the world just walking across our southern border, I believe in part, yeah, we we should help them and try to embrace people that have been persecuted and are seeking asylum. But what's happening is they're coming in with no reference point that we're one nation under God. And we're going to help you understand how to assimilate into a culture that puts God first and the Bible first. Government doesn't want that. Secular government wants one nation under government and we're the top authority. And they don't want to recognize that there's an authority greater than you, Mr. Government. And so a lot of the conflict we see in different areas boils down to the fact that the Antichrist crowd wants one world government under man, and the biblical crowd wants one nation, one world under God, and all that it stands for in the Bible. So the Shema is both a prayer for my individual commitment, but it's also collectively a prayer that the whole nation would be committed to God. Amen? Amen. So, if we fail to be this nation, one nation under God, all the principles that we've experienced, the prosperity that we've, the blessing that we've experienced through the years, all of a sudden is going to dissipate. And you're going to be fighting for your victory as an individual, but it sure is a heck of a lot easier if the nation shares our biblical values. The leaders of our nation share. It's a heck of a lot easier to experience the blessing of God. And so uh, one of the great rabbis just before Jesus uh, uh, came on the scene uh, was uh, Hillel. He's the grandfather of Gamaliel in the book of Acts. And he once famously said, If I am not for myself... Who will be? If I'm not for myself, who's going to be for me? 
It better be me. That's the individual side. But if I'm only for myself, what am I? And that's speaking to the collective responsibility. So, the greatest of prayers. The Shema, the Lord's Prayer, the foundation of our covenant with the Lord. Come on. And the word for covenant in Hebrew is Brit. And it refers to the promises and obligations that come with accepting the Lord and believing in His Torah, believing in His Bible. Did you know there's promises and obligations? (laughs) And you can see this in both the Shema and the Lord's Prayer, is that there's an implied commitment that both parties commit to one another, covenant, and also to certain promises, certain responsibilities, and that could be seen as the legal side of the covenant. The covenant has two sides. The, the side that uh, oftentimes we think about in the, in the Old Testament is the legal side of the covenant. It's based on the ifs. For the if in life. Okay? God says, if you do this, I will do that. But the if in life, the if in the covenant, is both Old and New Testament. Yeah? There's some condition-based obligations that every believer has to have in 2022. Yeah? And there's plenty of New Testament examples. For example, uh, earlier, uh, Lionel was uh, 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 sharing some of his uh, Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 7.24, Jesus shares one of the ifs. And he says, if you build your life on the rock, you'll be blessed. But if you're foolish and build your life on the sand, then you won't. (laughs) If. In the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6.14, If you forgive men their sins, then I will forgive you. If. So if isn't just an Old Testament thing. If is a New Testament thing. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, If you first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. He said in Luke 17, 6, If you have faith, the size of a mustard seed, if you have it, then you'll be a mountain mover. Hallelujah. In John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, if. And in John 15, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And if you don't, you won't. (laughs) So, what's going on here, this is all coming out of the Shema, if. God's showing us that one of the pillars of our relationship 
is built on keeping the covenant, obeying the covenant. All right? It's based on following His commandments. Earlier, Lionel went through all the Ten Commandments. Have the Ten Commandments been abolished? Absolutely not. Why would God abolish His own word? Why would God abolish His own principles? He didn't suddenly, oh my gosh, what did I do? (laughs) And this is the legal side. Of the covenant. And the legal side of the covenant shouldn't be considered legalistic. It's just the lay of the land. When God gave the Torah and He gave us the Bible, He was giving us instructions for how to live the blessed life. If you want a better life, a more quality life, an abundant life, a blessed life, then you need to understand that God has guidelines, standards. And if we, the more we line up with those things, the smoother life goes. But there's another side to all of this in that the Lord also embedded something else in the covenant. And that as we understand this something else, it's going to elevate our relationship with Him to the highest levels. And that's the revelation that our covenant with the Lord is based on something more than just the legal side. It's based on love. It's based on love. And so God's plan is, yes, we need to understand the rules and regulations. There's rules of the road. But that's not all we need to understand. In fact, we need a greater understanding of the grace of God, the mercies of God, the loving kindness that God has. So on the one hand, we're taught the if principle. If you love me, Jesus said, what? Obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. And as the living word, the living Torah, uh, the Lord is calling on us to obey His commandments. And He had more than one commandment. You could boil it all down to love, but there's a lot behind that, right? He has guidelines, principles throughout the Bible. If you look closely at the Sermon on the Mount, it's a call to live according to Torah standards. And it's a tall task, right? (laughs) But that's what the journey's all about. Yeah? That's what serving the Lord is all about. To discover and embrace and absorb and apply all the various principles and standards in our life. That's our Christian duty. It's your duty. (laughs) But thank God uh, uh, we've made that choice. And we know His yoke is easy and His burden is light. It's not a bad thing to do what the Father says, because it leads to good things. I've got a little grandson. (laughs) And at two years old, he's learning 
Uh, not my will, but thine be done, Saba. <laughs> We're trying to teach him standards. Do's and don'ts, rules and regulations. Don't touch the hot stove. (laughs) But we have lots of grace, lots of mercy, lots of patience, and (laughs) long-suffering. And our love is unconditional. Just because he makes a mistake doesn't mean we throw the book at him. He might have a time out. There might be some correction, some chastening, some discipline applied. And God does the same thing. If we don't follow things the right way, there's that side of things. But it doesn't undo His unconditional love for us. Just like there's nothing that my little grandson could do that would ever keep me from loving him. I love you, little buddy. Amen? Amen. So, our relationship is not just a legal one. It's one based on love. And Jesus explains the value of both in Scriptures like Matthew 23.23. I don't know if you've ever seen Matthew 23.23. But it says... What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religion? You Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are, now watch this, you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your garden, but you ignore the more important aspects of the Torah. Justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes. But do not neglect the more important things. So that kind of shows you both sides of the same coin, doesn't it? The Lord's helping people put the Torah into perspective and into proper priority. That's what the Sermon of the Mount is all about. You say this, but what it really means takes you even further than what you thought. And so the Lord is emphasizing the greater priority, justice, mercy, and faith. And uh, yes, we should tithe. Yes, you should have an expectation of a great harvest. But you should never forget the revelation that you're blessed to what? To be a blessing. We're here not only to uh, get all we can, can all we get, and sit on the lid. We're here to show compassion to others. And that's the Shema. Love the Lord, love people. Especially those who are struggling. Amen. That's how we demonstrate God's love. And that's how we demonstrate that we've been with Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about the Shema, an individual call, a national call, and we're talking about covenant, the legal side, if, but then we're also talking about the love side of the covenant. 
And in a phenomenal article by Rabbi Sachs, the late great Rabbi Sachs, called The Covenant and Love, he shares two scriptures out of today's Torah study that show how even in the Old Testament when uh, uh, Israel is getting ready to possess the land, don't forget my love. And in Deuteronomy 7, 9, he says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. That's Shema. He is, he is the faithful God, keeping the Brit, the covenant, and the Hesed to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So, and it repeats this in uh, verse 12. But there's two things going on here. That our God is a covenant-keeping God. That's the legal side. But He's also a God of Hesed. In Hebrew, that word for Hesed is extraordinary, means extraordinary or excessive kindness. That's the grace of God. The mercy of God. Amen? It's a level of loving kindness that God has for His people that exceeds every one of our expectations. Pure act of grace. Even in the Old Testament. He's telling Israel. He's telling you and I. Yeah, there's regulations. There's do's and don'ts. There's standards of performance. But I just don't want you serving me legalistically, mechanically. Uh, I want you to have your heart in it. Your soul in it. Your passion. Your desire that I don't have to do any of it. I get to do all of this. Because that's how the Lord has ordained it. Amen? The root word of Hesed means eager and ardent desire. That's our Heavenly Father. He's eagerly and ardently desiring to release in our lives excessive and extraordinary kindness. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Lay it on me! <laughs> right? It means zeal, love, kindness towards someone, benevolence, mercy, pity upon people, as well as grace and favor and the mercies of God towards people. God loves us unconditionally. There's unconditional love and grace. He had it for Israel back then. He has it for us now. It's just part of His nature. Beloved, let us love one another. For God is love. So, this takes our relationship with the Lord far beyond just legal and mechanical. Right? I, I punch my time clock. I clap my hands. I raise... What more do you want? <laughs> I, I want everything! <laughs> And the love side of the covenant is always based on God's unconditional love and grace and undeserved favor. How many of you realize today that this side of the covenant is available 
entirely because God wanted it available. There's nothing you and I can do to work that up and earn that. It's just, God doesn't just have love, He is love. Amen. Amen. And so it's not based on effort. The legal side is based on if. But the higher component in that covenant is that I love you so much. And even when you struggle, or even if you fail to get it all right, I'm still going to love you, I'm still going to be merciful, I'm still going to show my grace and mercy, and you know what? It'll cover a multitude of sin. Amen Amen today? So, when we're inspired by God's love, we go beyond the letter of the law. And we begin to treat others, not with the letter of the law, but with the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law, the greater part of the spirit of the law, is mercy. It's faith. It's justice. And so God is saying, look, I've been that way to you. I loved you while you were yet a sinner. And so, whether it's your grandson, <laughs> your spouse, somebody at the office, wherever, somehow, some way, God show us how to relate to others the way you relate to us. Amen? Praise God. How many of you would agree that the covenant we have as Christians is a pretty good deal? Right? Nothing mankind could have ever done to put into effect this level of goodness and kindness and mercy and grace. Amen? And it's all under this Hebrew word, said. So, if you or someone you know has been looking for true love, you don't have to go to Match.com. right because there's really only one place to find it and that's in a relationship with the Lord no other love on earth can compete with the love that God has for you and I yeah we have our ups and downs sometimes there's more ups and sometimes hopefully fewer downs But the Lord loves us unconditionally and He'll never leave us or forsake us. He'll have the covenant side, the legal side of things, and the unconditional love side of things. And when it comes together, it's a beautiful thing. Because you're serving God and loving Him and loving others, not because you're required. You better! But something's transformed in our lives. And we begin to see things in a different way. And all of a sudden, we begin to reflect our Father's image and likeness. We realize that true love created us. We were birthed in true love. True love saved us. (laughs) True love heals us. True love delivers us and rescues us. True love has set the captive free. 
Amen. Do you relate to this? It's true love that makes us righteous. It's true love that gives us mountain-moving faith. It's true love that says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's true love that casts out all fear. And it's true love that never, ever fails. Amen? And that just is the short list. (laughs) Because there is a height and a width and a depth and a breadth of God's love that we're still trying to get our head around. Amen? And the more we meditate on it, the more we learn about it, the more we realize, oh, what a mighty God we serve. Amen? Amen? So moving forward, today, this week, the rest of our lives, may we walk in this revelation of God's love. And may it transform our lives in how we live, how we serve the Lord, and how we treat others. Do you receive that today? If you do, give the Lord a big praise.